Camp, Camp, Camp Radio. Camp Radio. Camp. Welcome to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Camp Radio, discussing trends and issues that will encourage ministries and churches in their efforts to impact people for Christ. To learn more about TN Baptist Camps, visit us at tnbaptistcamps.org. Now, today's Camp Radio. Thank you for joining us on Camp Radio. My name is Kevin Peridge, and I'll be your host. Today we have with us Bert and Amanda Spann. And Bert is the pastor of First Baptist Holdenwall, Tennessee, which is about uh, 70 miles southwest of Tennessee. It's in Middle Tennessee, to say that. And actually a great little town. I've been there a few times, and it's just a neat place. Uh, we have with us, uh, what we want to do today is that Amanda and Bert want to go share a little bit about what it's like in the ministry as a family, especially during the time of COVID. So, uh, Bert, why don't you share a little bit about it? Thanks so much, Kevin, for allowing Amanda and I to be here. Just to give you a little bit about us, uh, we grew up in Arkansas, and God called me into ministry, and we we moved to Fort Worth, Texas to get an education at Southwestern, and then we moved to Michigan, just outside of Ann Arbor, and served for 11 and a half years. Then God called us to Middle Tennessee, and we've been there just over seven years. It's been a great time, but it's been a challenging time, not just the ministry aspect itself, but just in society today mm-hmm. and what's going on. It has been crazy for all pastors everywhere. And uh, so, yeah, we've met our fair share of challenges over the past few uh, months and years. Amanda, you... Uh... How long have y'all been married? 24 years. I caught you off guard there. Well, I was going to say June is 25 years. So (laughs) this year will be 25 years. And you have a son. Yes. We have a son, Cole, and he'll be 15 next month. Now, you grew up where? I grew up mainly in Arkansas, but I did uh, live in Texas and Venezuela for a few years through elementary school. Uh, I guess your, does your son speak Spanish? He does not. (laughs) He does not. (laughs) Just again, a little bit know uh, to know you all a little bit, and of course you've been as a pastor for many years, uh, different different places. Of course, you went to the greatest seminary ever, right? Absolutely, <laughs> Southwestern. Yeah. Sure, yeah. And uh, so, just talk about what it's like. Uh, I know. Let's let's go back. The norm. What's the norm for a, a pastor's family and his wife? What what is that like? I, I would say the norm changes week to week, sometimes even day to day. You know, sometimes there are days where I get to spend a good amount of time at home with family. I I try to get up in the mornings, have breakfast with Cole. If for some reason I don't get to have breakfast with him, I I get to spend more time with him in the evenings. And so for the most part, on a normal day, that's what we like to do. Mm -hmm. But but normal is a relative term, <laughs> right? Because things change all the time, mm-hmm. and so um, there's work in the office, and then there's bring stuff home and do at home, and right. uh, my own study there, and in trying to balance being husband and father mm-hmm. and pastor, regardless if it's full time, bivocational, whatever it is, those demands are always there. I know as a pastor, the pastors bring home all that they've dealt with, 
how does he kind of uh, relax and get away? Do do you have certain techniques in which you can get get him to? Uh, he's got a to do list, or you know, that way he keeps his mind off of. What, what a lot of times when he's at home, we really don't talk about church stuff. Hmm. Um, I'm not saying that we never do, but one thing is church can be stressful and all consuming. Hmm. And we have a child that we want to love church when he graduates, and he does now, right. but we want to keep it that way. So we want to give him. Let him be a church member, if right. that makes sense. So, yeah. you know, he is active in the youth group and, and he does things to serve at church, but we don't want it to be an all-consuming thing because it's not his job. So what do you do? I know that you like, you're kind of an outdoorsman and your way to kind of uh, break through free, break free from uh, just to stress your job, you go out and do things, right? I do. I like to run. You know, I even told our church one of the reasons that I like distance running is because I know none of them can keep up for that long. So <laughs> so they cannot catch me. I, I right. will have some quiet time by myself. Right. Uh, and, and all joking aside, I do love to run. Yeah. Um, I love to be outside regardless of how hot or cold it is. It's just my way of pulling away. And another thing that I've learned to do while I run is to listen to audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Because I do find it's tough to find a lot of reading time. And so uh, I know some guys would hound me for not listening to the Bible over and over right. as I run. But I have just found that I, if, if I listen to biographies especially... I love, I can engage in both the book and the run at the same time. That's me. Now other guys have other things that they like to do. I like to run, listen to biographies. I like to hunt. I like to be outside. That's one of those things that I do with my son. That gives us time. If we kill something, great. If not, we have watched America's Funniest Videos in the deer stand, (laughs) and we have laughed, and we have told stories, and there's more times than not where we come out of the woods knowing exactly why we didn't kill anything, because we were having way too much fun in the box stand or whatever. Um, And those are the moments, even though they're small, Mm -hmm. just a couple of hours, I think it really does uh, leave lasting memories with him. Yeah. You know, I I was listening to a podcast a couple months ago, and it was really about uh, a uh, minister. They were interviewing separately the minister and their son. The son had grown, had was older and was married. And the sad thing about it was, is that the son, as he grew up, they tried to connect and so the pastor was involved in, you know, his duty as a pastor and all that that meant. And his son says, I respect him as a as a minister. And uh, we only thing we really did to connect was go fishing. Well, they re- didn't talk. They just went to fish and they fished all over the world. And uh, he never accepted Christ. And he kind of looked at a relationship with with Christ as just something that his dad did. So there was no relationship there. That's critical with your kids, isn't it? Especially to be able to make sure that you're not so disconnected, especially in ministry. There's so much work. You could easily be consumed in it. Get up early, go to church, stay till late at night, or just get caught away. Somebody calls you at 12 o'clock or night or whatever. That impacts your family, doesn't it? Now that Cole's older, we might a little more. But if we have something big planned, we very rarely tell him until the last minute. It just because you don't know if someone's going to get sick or right. pass away, how things, so many things come up last minute mm-hmm. that it's 
easier to not disappoint him if right. he doesn't know that we were going to do something. Yes. And I, I don't know Cole very well, but what I have uh, got a chance for a little bit of time, he seems like uh, he's he's very much like you. And so not that that's not a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> he has an element of respect. And obviously, you know, he has a good relationship mm-hmm. with you. So mm-hmm. as a parent, we always think, question, are we doing a good job? Well, I think you all are, what little bit I've seen. Well, I, I will say that comes with a lot of hard work mm-hmm. because whenever I was pastoring up in Michigan, there was a time where he referred to the church once as daddy's home. Oh. And that hurt. Yeah. That hurt pretty deep. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize at that time what I was doing, but I was laying the groundwork for trouble. And that one comment is something that plays in my mind often. And, and I, I, I get parenting wrong. I make mistakes, lots of mistakes. But I hope and pray that he will not graduate thinking that church is where daddy lives. Right. And it's tough because there is a congregation that needs shepherded. Mm-hmm. And shepherding is not a nine to five job. And so as much as I can make it fun for mm-hmm. him to be involved, I will. And there's also a part that I want him to understand that it is a noble thing to serve the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so whenever he sees me making calls late at night uh, or or visits or whatever it is, it's my hope and prayer that he sees that there is a genuine need, not a need that supersedes him, Mm -hmm. but this just happens to be so urgent that I have to take care of it then or else I wouldn't. And the reason that I do that is because it's a privilege serving our Lord. Right. But that's tough because whatever moments I miss, mm-hmm. I'll never get back. Right. And I have often said, it doesn't matter if you're a pastor or anything else in life. You are going to sacrifice something. Mm-hmm. For every decision we make, something is going to get cut. You just have to ask yourself, what needs cut most mm-hmm. and win uh, you know, at the end of the day like it or not we're trying to make the least mistakes right. you know I, i've heard at the college and professional level in athletics in team sports the team that wins is the one that makes the least mistakes mm-hmm. they're both at such a high level they can perform almost perfectly mm-hmm. The one that wins is the one that makes the least mistakes. Well, this far in ministry with a 14, almost 15-year-old son, now we're at the level where we're doing our very best to make the least mistakes. Mm -hmm. Or if they are, they need to to not be those critical ones that will change his opinion about our Lord. And and the window's getting shorter. Mm -hmm. Is there some things that you do that uh, just help reinforce that? I know we're talking a lot about, about your son, Cole, but uh, how do you do as a wife? How do you reinforce that with your son and have in the past as far as what his his role? One thing that I'm the family scheduler, which oh, yeah. I think a lot of moms probably are. Yeah. You know, if Bert is going to, if we know ahead of time that, you know, on Friday night, Bert's got something going, well, then Cole and I do something fun together. Right. Yeah. You know, we make that a time for us. But also, you know, when it comes to hunting or them doing things together, we try to put it on the calendar. And there again, a lot of times Bert and I put on our calendars, but we don't tell Cole until sometimes the night before so that uh, if something comes up, 
He he doesn't know. Well, I, I remember, you know, I, my job, I travel a lot. I'm on the road a lot, and at least before COVID. When the girls were real small, uh, it's hard for them to understand, why is Dad gone, you know? Why did um, Dad have to go over to camp, and why did he work late in the summer, you know, all that. And they would always say, well, well, God's doing things. Uh, he is witnessing to people. He, he is uh, sharing Christ with people. That's what his purpose is for what he does. And it helped them to kind of have this understanding that not that I was, you know, when I'm home, I'm home. Uh, but there's a lot I'm not. And it helped them understand that this was important, like you're saying. It's important, and it is a privilege of what we're doing. We're doing it for our Lord. And so as they've got older, uh, they they understand that, and they especially as they as we interact, and so that that is critical as a parent, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That they understand your heart, you know. And I think that uh, element of communication with them and being real with them is important. Isn't it? it is, and Cole is so proud of Bert and the fact that he is a pastor, you know. But also, I think one thing that he has that maybe other kids his age don't have Mm -hmm. is so much empathy. You know, Mm -hmm. he understands how when someone goes in the hospital or when Mm -hmm. someone dies, how much it affects the families, you know, more so than I think other people his age do. Well, you may have a future pastor. (laughs) You never know. Right. Who, I don't know if I would pray for that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There, there is no more noble thing that a man could do. Yeah. But it would be very hard to ask God to do that, knowing what it takes. You're right. Well, let's uh, let's kind of shift gears a little bit. So we've kind of talked about the norm. So let's talk about what it's been like. Here we are, almost a year, and I know we a lot of a lot of my podcasts are talking about COVID, and eventually we're all going to get tired and get past this. But it's going to impact us for a long time. Not only is everything changing, but it's changing the family unit some of how they interact. How has this impacted you all at at this past year dealing with COVID? You know, what's the good things? What what have been things that have happened that you didn't expect that may have been some challenges? One thing that has been a blessing for us, especially in those months right after COVID really just came to the forefront, Mm -hmm. was, was with the whole lockdown uh, we got to know our neighbors. Hmm. We got to spend some great time with the family across the street yeah. because we're kind of quarantined together. Right. And so we have a front porch. They have a front porch. Hmm. We actually used our front porches <laughs> for what front porches were meant for. Right. We actually each bought porch swings during COVID. Oh, okay, really? <laughs> we did. Uh, they have uh, a now three-year-old son. Our 14-year-old son became best buddies. Hmm. And so they had water gun fights and just uh, playing ball outside. It was a wonderful time for that relationship. Right. But at the same time, while that relationship blossomed, you can kind of see other relationships dying on the vine. Our son is a very social young man. And the fact that he could not be with his youth group was was crushing the the youth camps and the youth mm-hmm. activities and the first thing canceled was YEC. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and so you just need to understand that that yes, while the the church is trying to make heads or tails out of this, I'm trying to comfort a church through this and a family, right? Because we've got a young man in our home who we want to love the the Lord and His church. 
But now a huge part of that element's gone. Yeah. This is my profession. You know, other other families, they've got other things to talk about, mm-hmm. other businesses, whatever occupation they're paying. The church is our life. And when he can't be a part of that, that's his base of friends. Right. And, and that was that was tough. Yeah. And and so uh, we have learned that Zoom is nice, but it's not the same as being face to face with a buddy. No. Have y'all had? Did y'all have the countless discussions, help helping each other kind of work through all this during during the past year? Not just with your son, but just this this COVID thing. Well, I think probably like every household (laughs) in the world, I guess. Yes, we have talked about so much. And, uh, you know, it's challenging. And I think this is probably the way it is everywhere, but especially rural Tennessee. Some people don't believe COVID exists Mm. and other people won't leave their houses. And just that trying to minister to people on both extremes and trying to educate ourselves and our child on what we need to do. For us, right. you know, what we think is best has been interesting. Yeah. And, and it's also been interesting watching him develop his own personal beliefs about this, too. Hmm. We encourage certain behaviors. Right. But because he's got two grandparents hmm. who are very susceptible to, to this. Right. And, and, and there were times where he thought he was going to get to go visit them. Hmm. You could just see him taking it upon himself to take COVID serious right. and take precautions and, and regardless of what his peers were doing. So it, 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 the whole thing's a, a huge social experiment mm-hmm. because yeah. you've got the church and their behavior and that's all over the place. And mm-hmm. then our own family, we've got some family members that's kind of all over the place, but then to watch him mm-hmm. as he's trying to make these decisions himself, how, Cole, how are you, how are you going to deal with COVID? How are you going to deal with loneliness? How are you going to deal with inactivity? Right. You can't just sit here all day. What are you going to do to get out? And it's also hard to to love from a distance. Right. It's it's hard when you can't see people face to face. And so, how did uh, you know with your neighbors? And, and you may have interacted with some other people too. But uh, what was the discussion like? In the, this past year, well, I, I'm I'm assuming it seems like even my own discussion that that if I'm going to talk to anybody, I only talk about two subjects. That's all we talk about for two years: it's either politics or COVID. And there's nothing else in the world. But how did you uh, deal with that one in your conversations? Well, we ended up the other mom and I would take our boys for a walk every day. We walked every day, mm-hmm. like four miles a day for I don't know three months it seemed yeah. like you know just to, there was nothing else to do right so we just got out and got moving and you know we talked about a, she's a school teacher and of course i have a school age child so we talked a lot about how the different districts were handling things especially you know in march and april and may and um and you know even our different beliefs about masks you know should you wear a mask should you not wear a mask you know and now we're talking about last week we talked about the vaccine you know it's just so much you know in traveling mm. we both families have traveled different places over the summer and stuff yeah. and you know just all the different things that go into that have you met gathered uh, as a church about half this time or are you uh, still virtual right now or we're both at this point we've we've got an 8:30 service that is mask only we've got a 10:30 service that is 
do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> you want to wear one, bring it on. If you yeah. don't, we're not going to throw you out. And then we've got online. Right. And so we are doing everything we can to offend just about everybody out there <laughs> because that seems to be in the life of the church what yeah. you're going to do. Yeah. It, does, it doesn't matter if, well, restaurants, store owners, churches, we're all dealing with this. Right. How are you going to deal with a public coming into your place? Right. How are you going to deal with your people's behavior once they get here? And so, you know, at this point, we're trying to do our very best to follow. Uh, the CDC's guidelines, mm-hmm. or at least their suggestions. But man, that just turns everything up on its head. Right. Now, do you all feel this extra pressure? I mean, you're in a small town. You're, you're at First Baptist of this small town. Everybody probably knows you, right? Mm-hmm. You've been there long enough. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows. So is there this extra added pressure during a time of COVID that they're, mm-hmm. I'm saying this, I'm, it's almost like a rhetorical question because I already kind of know the answer, but they're all looking at you. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's this pressure as you're walking around, as you're talking to people, interacting with people, as they look at you walking down the street, do you have a mask or don't have a mask on? Do, do you feel that? And what do you do with it? I definitely think that we do feel it some. I think the pressure I have felt more than anything is just that we don't want our church to be a place where there's an outbreak. And, you know, what do we do to keep that from happening? That's the the main thing. Mm-hmm. Living in rural Tennessee, our family is in the minority that we are accepting of wearing masks. Yeah. So I have had people in church look at me and kind of smirk because I had a mask on. Hmm. But we came kind of, I think individually, but it happened about the same time. Our whole family decided kind of the same week. Um, that we were going to start wearing masks to church, even though nobody else really was, right. because for a couple of reasons. One is just to protect the elderly. Mm-hmm. And we also have a little girl in our church that has a heart condition. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what we could do to protect her. Sure. But also we did it so that those who wanted to wear masks, but, but maybe were embarrassed, would start, you know, feel comfortable doing it. Yeah. And once the three of us started wearing masks, the number of masks increased right. tremendously. Yeah, It really does show that the pastor and his family kind of set the tone. Mm-hmm. And and so, yes, they're uncomfortable wearing them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't wear glasses when you've got a mask on. Right. But at the same time, I believe it's the pastor's job to set the tone. And, you know, some people are going to like it. Some people aren't. We've been applauded by some people. For, for wearing them and setting the tone, I've gotten phone calls from other people telling me I'm the worst pastor in the world oh, wow. because I'm not enforcing everybody to wear one and not mandate. And so you just take the best praise and the worst criticism and you put both of those in the box together and just kind of deal with everything in the middle. Uh, don't believe all the hype. Don't believe all the criticism. Really, it takes tough skin too yeah. um, you just kind of have to take a get over it pill in the morning and realize that you've got a job to do right. and whether it's with or without a mask people need loved well i know that making disciples is very important to you so how does all this how how have you adapted to be able to continue to do that through covid 
one of the things we had to disband the large group that I had at one time, I was meeting on Thursday mornings with around 25 to 30 folks who mm. wanted to meet. And, yeah. and we just had to say, we can't do that in this small of a space. I do still meet uh, with, with a group of three. Mm. And uh, there's one gentleman in particular that I pour into, and it's Mark Whitehead. I'll just give a shout out to Mark Whitehead, uh, let you know that Arbel Ministries, that's a little plug for him. I don't, yeah. I'm not sure if I can do that on, <laughs> he, on he air can. here, but <laughs> Arbel Ministries, he is a great teacher, mm-hmm. super teacher, and he's leading a trip to Israel next mm. Uh, this coming summer and so we need to meet because i'm i'm going on that trip with him and so we've been meeting and and so i'm doing my very best to continue to pour into some who will pour into others and so yes i wish i could continue to meet with some of those bigger groups but i just can't right now it's not going to set a good precedent for others if we're doing our very best to to keep covid at bay mm-hmm. yeah. and, and and set the tone for the rest of the community saying listen we're not going to be rebels against cdc recommendations if we can it's not like the government right now is telling us we can't worship right. they're just saying please don't sit on top of each other in a tiny little classroom yeah and so that's what we're trying to do right. is to just spread this out some as far as discipleship how is that uh, as that role of of no longer kind of meeting together uh, with those uh, times of discipleship, uh, especially with both of you, I'm, I'm sure probably those men, you know, the the wives. Uh, do you ever are you able to spend any time interacting with some of those? I don't. I do more with the kids in youth ministry yeah. at the church than I do the yeah. the women. Well, and, and they have kids. Mm-hmm. You never know. You know, I, I think what we're going to do is look into when we get into the future uh, and look back, we'll see some incredible things that God's been doing. So what do you think um, next fall, the uh, fall of 2021, what do you think the church will look like? Kevin, truth be told, I think at this point, at least for me, I'm speaking Mm. uh, about our congregation, but I believe this to be true with others. We're going to spend the next few months looking for scattered sheep because of so many churches going to online because we had to, Mm -hmm. because we we had a summer where people weren't gathered together. We don't know where some of these people are. Mm. Yes, at first we had great numbers on YouTube and Facebook worship services. Now, those numbers are tiny Mm -hmm. compared to the number of people who aren't coming back. So I think in the next few weeks and months, we're going to have to do our very best at making personal contact with people we know who haven't been there. So for the next few months, I really see our job is almost reintroducing ourselves It'll be like a family reunion where you've got aunts and uncles who you haven't seen in months or years, mm-hmm. and you just say, hey, it's good to see you. Right. I think that's what we're going to have to do with some of these folks who haven't been back. Yeah. I was talking to my brother-in-law. He's a pastor in Chattanooga, and uh, he was telling me that uh, his church, when all these things, everything kind of gets back to normal, uh, his plan is, or he says, that that. Uh, it's going to be like a family reunion, like you're saying. They're going to do stuff together. They'll want to play together. They'll want to meet together uh, and and not just sit down and have Bible study. They want to do family things. 
and almost get to know each mm-hmm. other all over again. Mm-hmm. And so he's uh, very excited about mm-hmm. that. And, and, you know, I think there's a definitely an element there. We've been missing each other. Mm-hmm. We are social people, and you can't take that away from us. God made us that way. When we can gather together, we'll, uh, there's some are going to run to that. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be some. They're gathering someplace, but hopefully, and I, and I feel very confident that uh, those who have kind of slipped away, they'll begin to remember what they've had. And uh, uh, especially as we begin to reach out with kindness and want to heal their hurts that everybody's feeling, mm-hmm. right? And let's talk about that for just a second too. Do you find that the families, people you've talked to within your church, in the community, are they feeling hurt? Are they are they suffering through all that's been going on for the last year? I can tell you one of the things that, I plan in the next few months is to focusing on families mm-hmm. because I think that that since COVID, before COVID, we had a lot of broken issues in families. Mm-hmm. I think COVID has uh, exacerbated the issue. I think that that those marriages that were a little bit rocky are now coming apart. I think some of those parental issues that you you had strife there, I, I think those are are now even pulling further and further apart because because families are being real with each other more than masking it mm-hmm. in public now. Uh, they're not coming to church, putting on the fake face. They've just been real with each other, and it's it's not always been pretty. And I haven't looked at the uh, statistics, but there there's a certain element I, I read somewhere in in uh, China, uh, the uh, divorce rate skyrocketed during this time, because I guess they uh, actually had to be in the same house together. They realized that oh, we don't like each other, you know. And, and well, it's not just that; it's also the financial pressure that's come because some people had to take time off of work or right. their work loads suffered because of it or the the hours have been cut back or shifts have been changed and, and there's just so much uncertainty that it's causing friction in the family mm-hmm. now you can go all the way back to genesis to see that the family is going to be the first place the enemy tries to hammer and so it should be expected that this is crumbling mm-hmm. because it has from the beginning and so I think that's one of the things that's coming out of COVID is we really need to take stock of the family unit itself. And I think it will be proof that those families who have that are Christ-centered is the ones who come out of this stronger than they were when they began. So that's neat. Yeah, I think there's a flip side to that because there's others who have loved having their kids home for six months right. and, you know, loved all the family time and, and even... Um, you know, time off work, even though it might be a financial strain, they still got more time as a family together. Yeah. I love my girls being home. I mean, I, I had to work too, but yeah, you know, I'm all right just for them to stay home. They're fine. You know, you, you know, not everybody feels that right. way, but that's all right. Well, I mean, Cole and I have gotten to do a lot of fun things. We've hiked, we've yeah. played in the front yard. We've, we've just been together a lot and, mm-hmm. and it's been good for us. Yeah. You know, challenging with school and, right. and all the other issues, but that part of it, I, I wouldn't trade the time that we've had together for anything. Well, he's going to remember. 
Mm-hmm. When he's older and when he has kids of his own, he'll reflect back. And I bet you he won't probably won't talk about, you know, school was hard. He'll kind of remember that, but he'll really remember all that special time he mm-hmm. spent with you. And so that that time that you all spent together as a family, I don't know if you did this, but we went out to eat quite a bit, mm-hmm. meaning that we went to the drive through and sit in our car and ate. <laughs> and that was the best time. <laughs> and when they opened back up and we could go in, we were saying, we kind of like it in a car. <laughs> yes. Cole said we had gotten to where a few Friday nights we were going and getting pizza and bringing it home. And he said, we're eating out more during COVID than we were normally. I said, we're not spending any money on gas. We have extra money. Right. You know, yeah. our cars are parked. You know? <laughs> well, uh, Bert, Amanda, I, I, I really appreciate you taking the time just to uh, kind of share your heart about just what you're going through as a family and have been. And, and really, uh, I appreciate you sharing because, uh, You'll have such a good relationship. I knew it the first time that I had. Of course, I, I, I'm on Bert for a little while. And then the first time I met you, I could tell by your interaction that y'all had a good relationship. And, and so uh, and, I, and I appreciate that. And as a as a pastor, you need your wife desperately. And uh, yeah. or we you wouldn't make it. You yeah, know? right. <laughs> yes. Uh, so and and I could and all the efforts you put into your son too, and I can tell by our discussion that he's important. So I appreciate you sharing it. Hopefully, others that are listening to this right now can make that connection and say it's all right. They're not by herself, are they? There's no pastor and family that's by themselves. We're all going through the same thing, yes. and, and we can make it through it because of Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for listening today to our podcast. And if you're listening to iTunes, uh, please leave a comment or you can subscribe to continue to listen to this and let others hear this great resource. If you have any questions for Bert and Amanda, please uh, send us an email at ccinfo at tmbaptist.org. Until next time, I hope that you'll look for opportunities to start a conversation about Christ with someone you know. Thanks for listening to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded from tnbaptistcamps.org. The ministries of Carson Springs and Linden Valley are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptistcamps.org.